Well, most mornings, my wife and I were able to uh, wake up to uh, two little girls, one clean, rather new to life, and, and one who is a full force bundle of energy. She comes at you. And so it's easy to see that blessing. A few years ago, after uh, many years of, of a battle with cancer, my aunt passed away. And I had the unexpected honor of participating in a funeral. And the family, you know, we knew that cancer was terminal. But that doesn't make it easy, right? And so when the day comes, you're overwhelmed by the pain. And uh, I remember that at the end of that week, so a Friday night, you know, the funeral was going to be on Saturday, I was able, Tracy and I went to a concert and we brought Steph Bruns with us. And Steph was still a student in the newspaper at that time. And she may not have noticed, but there was a song that I was playing and I lost it. I just lost it. And the emotions hit you, right? In those unexpected moments, the emotion hits you. And you have to deal with the emotion. And you have to deal with the pain. And you have to try to understand it. The thing is, is that in that same month, you know, it's when we found out Tracy was pregnant for the first time. And so it's right there, it's glaring you in the face. Joy and pain, life and death. And those things, that's just part of the rhythm of life, but how do we deal with it? For some of us, there's just moments, right? A moment and we grieve, or we struggle, but then we're able to move on. But for others, it's a season. You know, you might be the one who's walking alongside someone with cancer, but they're the ones with the cancer and they have to battle through the season. For others, it's a lifetime. And they're continually moving through the pain and through the hurt. And so where is God in all of this? The questions that we ask are, why is this happening to me? Why is life so hard? And we scream out, God, where are you? And I'm not here today to understand what everyone's going through. And please believe me that I don't. And I don't understand and I can't. We can't all understand each other's pains and hurts. So I'm not pretending that I do. But I'd like to hopefully bring out some truths of the scripture so that you can lean on those. Because the scriptures are what speaks truth. So, today you might be asking, where is God? And the answer is right here in the midst of the problem and of the pain. God is here. God is with us. So even when we ask the question, where are you? He's right there. And that might be, you know, very difficult for you to hear. And you might say, well, it's easy for you to say. So I go to Psalm 22. 22 through 24 says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. I like how the message puts it. It says, he has never let you down. Never looked the other way. When you are being kicked around, he has never wandered off to do his own thing. He's been right there. Listen. So according to this, when we feel that God is far away from us, He's right there. 
And God gave over and over examples to us in the scriptures. And he had us, had people write them down for us because he knew that in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, we would need that. We would need that reminder. So we can't look at every situation and answer the question of why. So that's why this morning we're asking, can you still see it? I don't know why it's happening. I can still see. So if you turn with me in your Bibles, if you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible and you have a teenager sitting near you, they can run and get one. They're right inside the door. And, um, or, or younger. But if you turn in your Bible and turn to Luke 22, we're going to start in verse 31. Putting it into context, this is the passage that takes place right after the disciples and Jesus have been in the upper room and right before Jesus is betrayed. So it says, starting in verse 39, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. So right there we can stop and look at the fact that it says, as usual. All right, so we've been talking about, can you see him? And we're talking about abiding and bounding. And that's what Jesus is doing. That's his usual thing. When trouble comes, he moves away. He spends time with God first and foremost. And he gets lifted up in that. So... As usual, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And then because the wind is blowing, I'm sitting this down. It says, He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus has this group of guys, right? And he has dinner with them, and then they go off and into the garden. He's surrounded himself with these disciples. If you remember back just a couple weeks ago, we talked about fishing buddies. Jesus has literal fishing buddies. They're both fishermen and buddies, and uh, they're with him at this time. But he surrounds himself with these people that he knows are his crew, you know? He knows that there is his followers and that they're going to spend this time with him. And, and they're, they're not that great. You know, they let him down, and yet he still depends on them. He still says to them, come with me, even though he knows that they're just people. And he spends some time praying with God. Now, I don't know if Jesus was born with the spiritual gift of prayer, but I, I, I think he practiced, practiced it, and he got away. And here he is, he's with God. And as he faces this next and toughest trial that he'll ever have to endure, what does he do? He turns it back to God and says, God, will you take this from me, please? I'm, I'm, I don't want to do this. Take it from me. And so for all of us that are going through things, it's okay to say, God, take it from me. I don't want to deal with this anymore, God. Take it from me. And yet, then he says, well, what, whatever you want me to do. I still submit to that. I don't want to do this. But I'll submit to it. And I'll go through it if I need to. So he gives us this perfect example. Have you ever said, you know, you're looking at someone and you just say to a friend, or maybe just to yourself, I could never do that. I could never go through that. I would die. If I had to deal with that, I can't even imagine 
but then you find yourself on the other side of something, whatever that is, and you're still alive, and you're still here, and you realize, okay, they had to go through that, and I had to go through this, and I'm okay. Well, in his book, The Me I Want to Be, John Orberg writes about four ways that post-traumatic growth can happen. You don't have to remember the ways of post-traumatic growth, but um, I just like to walk us through those four and then focus on the last one. The first one is, rising to a challenge reveals abilities hidden within you and beyond you that would otherwise have remained dormant. The Bible gives us example after example of people that have had to go through things. And so, John Orberg summarizes it in this way. He says, God could have let Abraham stay in the comfort of Ur, Moses stay in the comfort, uh, stay in the splendor of Pharaoh's court, and Aaron stay in the safety of the crowd. He could have kept David away from Goliath, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fiery furnace, Daniel out of the lion's den, Elijah away from Jezebel, Nehemiah out of captivity, Jonah out of the whale, John away from, uh, John the Baptist away from Herod, Esther from being threatened, Jeremiah from being rejected, and Paul from being shipwrecked, but he didn't. In fact, God used each of these trials to bring people closer to him, to produce perseverance, character, and hope. All of these followers of God, they were thrust into a trial, right? To refine them, to create the workers that God desired. Not one of these followers could have done this, could have gone through it without God. And Jesus, as he prayed in the garden, he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane is a place of extraction. It means oil press in Assyrian. And so he's in a place where they're used to pressing things, pressing out the best of what is in there. It again reminds me of my aunt. She was an artist. So she doesn't just live on in our memories, but in the art that she created. She used to be a potter. There is nothing, you know, quite like watching a potter in action when they take that lump of clay and as they mold it. When we were little, each of, for each of her nieces and nephews, she made like a place setting, a special plate and a cup that had our names on them. And in an era of plastic and Dora the Explorer plates, it's kind of hard to imagine the fact that there used to be artisans that created and she created that for each of us. She used the pressure of her hands and the movement of the wheel. Just like God is doing, right? God is that artisan. And he works through the pain and he's pressing us and he's molding us into the people that he wants us to be. And you may have heard that. And you may even understand that, but it's a good reminder that God is moving and changing us. Changing us. I don't believe that God causes it, but I do believe that He uses it. He uses it with great compassion and great skill. So that on the other side, you are closer to the person that God wants you to be. And just like my aunt wrote on those plates in the glaze and inspired them, God is writing on you, writing your change around the person that He wants you to be. So as you encounter that pain, don't give up. Don't just lie down. Don't just take it. Don't be trampled by the situation, but allow God to hold you up 
Allow God to lift you up and out of it. Allow Him to shape you. Face the situation. You're the ones that are going to have to get up in the morning, get out of bed, and give the day back to God. Saying like Christ said, not my will, but your will, God, in this situation, be done. And that's the hard part, right? Getting up in the doing. But the challenge will reveal abilities that are hidden within you. Second, adversity can deepen relationships. Think of the times that you've gone through things in your life. Think of the people that surrounded you and how those are close friendships. Um, you may have had a, had a time in high school that was hard and you have a small group leader that walked through it with you. you know, or you maybe, maybe there was a person who couldn't be there physically, but, but you know that they prayed for you and they held you up. Maybe it was even a book you read or something, and so now that book and that author are instrumental to, to the things that you believe, and, and, and you take that with you. So whoever it was, and whatever role they played, you now have this lifelong bond. And sometimes we as Christians, we have really great intentions, don't we? And, and we go to friends that are in trouble, and they're going through things, and we, we, we say what we think they need to hear. And it's with the best intentions. God, hey, God's in control. But the person, they don't need to hear that. And I know God's in control. I know that the Bible says that. And I don't feel him here. I can't see him. So I'd really rather you not just come in my house and come. Right? That happens sometimes. And so instead, we, we take the route of the people that just stand by. The people that just put arms around them, that pray with them, that wait with them. And maybe there'll be an opportunity where God stirs in you, and they're ready to hear something, and you're ready to say it. But we have to like we have to really lean into God in those moments and know um, how to walk through these things with our friends. We worry about what to say when it may be better to just be present. The third thing, and we'll go back to our passage now, or, sorry, um, yeah, going back to the passage in Luke 22, starting in verse 20, 43, it says, an angel of heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And so that to me is this great encouragement that, that God in his own supernatural workings sends people to strengthen you. And there are stories after stories of times when, when things have happened in people's lives and, and, and they can't explain where that person came from or how that situation occurred. Um, and I believe that God is working, and working in miraculous ways to strengthen you in the midst of what you are going through. The third thing is that adversity can change your priorities about really what really matters. And we heard a lot from the DR team last week as they came back and they shared about the experiences of, of going through things as a team and going through things together in, in this other country and having to come back and process that. See, because as, as we go outside of ourselves and outside of our comfort zone, we have to process and, and things begin to change and things begin to be clearer. And that's what happens too as, as we face situations and trials. The adversity changes our priorities. 
We stop chasing after money or success or things that we think will bring us security and we start chasing after God. Adversity clears our mind and helps us focus on the eternal, helps us focus on relationships and family. It shows us very clearly that we have a limited window in our lifetimes to make a lasting impact through the work of a redemptive God. Lastly, according to Ortberg, adversity points us to the hope beyond ourselves. So as Christ is in the garden, he knows that he's going to be betrayed. He knows that he's going to be turned over. He goes to the cross clinging to his Father. And as Jesus suffers on the cross, he takes upon himself the sins of the world. This act, ordained by God, is the ultimate sacrifice. Christ takes on the sins of the world, and it says that, that God had to turn away. That's a pain we can't understand. Because God is a benevolent God who sent his son to take that pain on so that we don't, so that we can be called back to him. Why does Christ cling then to God when he knows that he's going to turn his back? I believe it is because Jesus has the opportunity to see the whole picture. And he's able to see that God, in all situations, even when we can't see him, even when we can't feel him present in our lives, even there, we must cling to him. Because he is the hope that is so beyond us. The pain that suffered, that Jesus suffered, is a pain we won't have to endure. The cross testifies to a sacrificial love of the Father and a willingness of Jesus to endure that trial. But the tomb is empty, right? The kingdom of God has come. My aunt, she wasn't just a potter, but she was a painter and a sculptor. And maybe most importantly, she was a teacher. She did what all artists try to do. They try to open our eyes to a world that we can't see. And they see things differently. So whether it was looking at flowers or white pines, whether it was looking at lakes and wildlife, whether it was people, these new realities, the understanding of, of these things came through in her work. She was able to point to something greater than herself. I kind of think without her really knowing. And instead, she pointed to the work of a creator, a great and good God. Suffering through cancer changed her perspective. In the last years of her life, she developed her skills as a sculptor. And even though she was very sick, she took a, a group of students and her sister to Italy to learn and observe the master sculptors. There's this picture that I have of a sculpture she created out of marble. You know, and sculptures are just those things that the sculptor chips away, chips away at something, and out comes what was there all along, right? And so there's this, this picture of a prone body reaching out. And she's not here for me to ask, but when I look at it, what I think is this. I think that there's great hope. The body in the sculpture looks like it's in great pain as it's reaching up and grabbing at something. I think it's grabbing at hope. Grabbing at that hand that's ready to pull them out of the muck and out of the mire. 
And that's what we need to do. We don't fight it alone. We don't just sit by ourselves. We don't let it trample us. But instead we grab out. Maybe to those around us. But mostly to God. And in our reaching out to God, He pulls us out. He keeps us moving towards the hope. That's what we have to cling to. And in the midst of your trial, if you're able to do that, if you're able to grab a hold, if you're able to reach out, you will be able to lead by an example that no one other, no other person has. You have that experience. And so now you are leading the others around you through that experience, and you are doing it well like no other can. That alone is so hopeful to me. Because if you can imagine that those who will later suffer have learned from your example. Think through how your actions will speak as you get up every day. You face the pain. You focus on Christ. And you give it back to Him. Back at that, that Chris Tomlin concert, it was the song, uh, How Can I Keep From Singing, that moved me so much. And some people may think that I just don't like the song. It's more that I can't really sing it. And um, the line says, And though the storms may come, I'm holding on the rock I cling. And I would change the lyric to, The, the storms will come. The storms will come, and so that I, I need to hold on to that rock. And each of us will have a different storm. We each have a different trial we face. A different experience that pushes us to that hope that's beyond us. My prayer for you today is that you will lean into the hope. Because as you lean into that hope, that will hold. God will hold you there. And you still may not be able to answer. Yes, I can see him. But he's there. He's there with you. Let's pray. Father God, you are a good creator. And yet, in the midst of creation, there's pain. And that's just the fact. And so, God, help us to encounter it well. Help us to move closer to you. Help us to lean into you. So that at the end of the day, we can say, yeah, I see you, God. I see you in all that I am. In all that you've created me to be. Amen. Amen.